0: and what-ifs, almosts and what-ifs. Anybody ever had a golf shot like that? Yep, we got a two, maybe three, yeah. I have had golf shots like that. It's usually on my 11th stroke, but I usually get it there. What if? The what-ifs of life can be energizing or depressing, I know if you are a sports fan at all, if you like any type of athletics, no doubt someone could stand up and tell a story about, oh, they were stopped at the goal line, the field goal went wide right, he struck out with the bases loaded, there's that, what if, oh, he I mean, if you talk to, I don't know, If let's give an example, something like, Some people like the Green Bay Packers. So you could go to the Packers and say, oh, what if that NFC championship game, when they had the game locked up and was going to the Super Bowl, the guy took an onside kick off his face mask when he wasn't even supposed to be getting the ball, the guy behind him was supposed to get the ball. And what if we would have won and we could have went to the Super Bowl? Oh. Yeah, what if? Think about some of your what ifs. What if you had married the first boyfriend or girlfriend? (laughs) What if you had gone to school for something else? Sometimes it's good to have a backup plan if the what if happens. Dominic Tierney, a contributing editor at the American magazine called The Atlantic, he offered two notable occasions in history where there were significant what ifs. The first con- concerned the Allies' D Day invasion on June 6th, 1944. This was the day that the U.S. and other Allied forces entered the beaches of Normandy. How about that? You think you're brave? Man. It was a bold and courageous move. They needed a beachhead where they could funnel in reinforcements, and so they stormed the beaches of Normandy. It was that bold and courageous day. But what if, what if things did not go as planned? The day before D-Day, General Dwight Eisenhower penned a message, folded it, and put it in his wallet, and the message was a what-if message. That's his handwriting. The brief message read this. It says, our landings in the Cherbourg, Havre, I don't speak French, probably said that wrong, area, have failed to gain a satisfactory foothold, and I have withdrawn the troops. My decision to attack at this time was based on the best information available. The troops, the air, and the Navy did all that bravery and devotion to duty could do. If any blame or fault attaches to the attempt, it is mine alone. Politics have changed too, haven't they? Of course, we didn't need this what if message because although there were significant casualties, there was a cost. D-Day was a crucial moment in the war that turned things in the Allies' favor and they got the beachhead that they needed and secured, really began to secure the turning point of the war. The second notable what if involved the first manned spacecraft landing on the moon. Apollo 11, with Neil Armstrong and Buzz Aldrin aboard, landed on the moon on July 20th, 1969. Anybody remember this? Raise your hand if you were alive and remember this. Raise your hand if you weren't. I just want you to know. I turned 41, but I'm not that old. (laughs) No, just kidding, just kidding. (laughs) While landing on the moon was an amazing accomplishment. Launching, everybody thinks like, oh, that was the part. Wow, the danger, they landed on the moon, they made it. But that probably was not the most dangerous part. Launching Launching the lunar module from the moon and reconnecting with the orbiting command module was an exceptional challenge. If Aldrin and Armstrong failed they would be stranded on the moon. Imagine the sweaty palms as you start to launch that mission. Bill Sapphire, a speech writer of then-president Richard Nixon, wrote a presidential statement in the event that a what-if happened. And here's what he wrote. In the event of a moon disaster, fate has ordained that the men who went to the moon to explore in peace, will stay on the moon to rest in peace. These brave men, Neil Armstrong and Edwin Aldrin, know that there is no hope for their recovery, but they also know that there is hope for humankind in their sacrifice. These two men are laying down their lives in mankind's most noble goal, the search for truth and understanding. They will be mourned by their families and friends. They will be mourned by their nation. They will be mourned by the people of the world, They will be mourned by Mother Earth that dared send two of her sons into the unknown. In their exploration, they stirred the people of the world to feel as one. In their sacrifice, they bind more tightly the brotherhood of man. In ancient days, men looked at the stars and saw their heroes in the constellations. In modern times, we do the same, but our heroes are epic men of flesh and blood. Others will follow and surely find their way home. Man's search will not be denied. But these men were first, and they will remain foremost in our hearts. For every human being who looks up at the moon in the nights to come will know that there's some corner of another world that is forever mankind. And on the note, the handwritten note, it says, prior to the president's statement, the president should telephone each of the widows-to-be. After the president's statement, at that point when NASA ends communications with the men, a clergyman should adopt the same procedure as burial at sea, commending their souls to the deepest of the deep and then concluding with the Lord's Prayer. You read something like that and go, whoa, I can't imagine what that would have been like to say, okay guys, I'm so sorry, we're cutting off communication now as you drift and live on the moon until you die. Springs things in perspective, the The what ifs, the insightful what ifs. But then there's also this word almost. A sad word in our dictionary, I think. It's a word that smacks of missed opportunities, aborted efforts, and fumbled chances. You know, I mean, I think it's to say, oh, we almost won the Super Bowl. Kind of almost aggravates you more. And I'm not making fun of the Chiefs. I've been there too. And I was frustrated with you last year. Even my tie I wore is still getting blamed for it. It is, there's some truth to that. I bought myself a Chiefs tie and wore it on Super Bowl Sunday. And since I bought that tie and wore it, the Chiefs are one in three. (laughs) So there's a petition going on for me to burn that thing. Almost, the one that got away, the sale that nearly closed, the gamble that almost paid off. Did I ever tell you about the time I almost was employee of the month? I almost got that job. I almost had the scholarship. Oh, I almost married the cheerleader. I almost caught a huge fish or shot me a big buck. As long as there's been human beings around, there've always been almost. Some are real, some a bit fabricated. But one of the most famous almosts and what ifs is found in scripture. It was a man named Pilate. You see, Pilate missed something far greater than a a buck, a fish, a cheerleader, a promotion. He almost performed an amazing act of mercy. He almost pardoned the Prince of Peace when when the Jews were shouting to kill Jesus. He almost released the Savior of the world, almost. Almost. He had the chance. He had the power. He wore the signet ring. He almost, you, you, these, these six letters, almost, they changed lives. They determined futures. She almost graduated. They almost ended their marriage. She almost died. He almost pursued a life of ministry. Or in the Bible, we read about Paul testifying before a local Roman leader named Festus and the Roman king named Agrippa in Acts 26:23. He, he's finishing his testimony before them and he says that Christ should suffer and that he should be the first that should rise from the dead and should show light unto the, the people and to the Gentiles. And he was talking about Jesus being killed and put in a tomb and, and rising again in and, and, and the power that he has. And as he's speaking for himself, Festus says with a loud voice, Paul, you are beside yourself. Much learning has made you mad. In other words, Paul, you have lost your mind, man. But he said, I'm not mad, Paul says, most noble Festus, but speak forth the words of truth and soberness. For the king knoweth these things. He says, so now he appeals to Agrippa. He says, whom I speak freely. I'm persuaded none of these things. They weren't hidden from him. They weren't done in a corner. This is well known. This is spread abroad. People know about Jesus. And he says, King Agrippa, Looks at King Agrippa. He says, believest thou the prophets? I know you believe, Agrippa. Do you know the story, Agrippa? Don't you believe? Agrippa in verse 28 says, Paul, almost, almost, thou persuadest me to be a Christian. What would have happened if the king of Rome would have become Christian?" What happened to Agrippa, to his wife, to his family, to the church, to Paul? Agrippa says, man, that's convincing. I feel, I feel condescending when you're talking. There's some power there. That's a good story. I almost want to respond. I almost want to do something with what you're saying. I almost, not quite, but close. I can only wonder about what ifs and almost. I I look back and wonder about the Roman leader and the Jews. And and what what if, what if, almost. Each one of us one day will have to decide what we will do with Jesus. Because when they brought him to the Roman leaders, they looked and said, he said, what will I do with Jesus? And no matter where you are in your life, at some point you come face to face with Jesus. And you have to make a decision for yourself. What am I going to do with Jesus? You see, Pilate could sit there and wish he went away. You could try to find someone to make the decision for you, but that doesn't work. At some point, you make your own decision. Luke 23, 13, Pilate called together the leading priests and other religious leaders along with the people, and he announced his verdict. He says, you bring me this man and accusing him of leading a revolt, and I've examined him thoroughly on his point in your presence, and and I've found him, I've found him not guilty. He goes on, he says, no, nor Herod, for I sent you to him, and lo, nothing, nothing worthy of death is due unto him. You guys brought me this guy. I don't find any reason to kill this guy. And he goes on, he says, I will therefore chastise him, and I'm going to release him, all right? I don't find him guilty. I can't kill this guy. I'll whip him. I'll beat him up for you, but I'm done. I'm not going to do it. And then he goes on, for out of necessity, he must release one of them at the feast. And they cried out all at once, saying, okay, you're going to release somebody. Bring us Barabbas. We want Barabbas. We don't want this man. Give us Barabbas. Who for a certain sedition made in the city, who is a murderer, cast in prison. He was he was ca- causing insurrection. He was a murderer. It's not like some petty theft. This guy was a murderer, and they're like, "Give us the murderer. We don't want Jesus." Right. Pilate, therefore, willing to release Jesus, spake again unto them. But they cried, no, and they're, crucify him, crucify him. They're getting louder and more boisterous and more hateful and spite. And, and he said unto them the third time, why, what evil has he done? I have found no cause of death in him. I'll therefore, I'll, I'll beat him up and whip him and, I'll, and I'm going to let him go, but I just don't see any reason to kill this guy. And they were instant with loud voices continuing. Requiring that he might be crucified and voices of them and of the chief priests prevailed. What a key component of this story. In New Living Translation, it ends by just saying, and their voices prevailed. Church, there will always be voices in your life. Sometimes they're quiet. Sometimes they're loud. Sometimes they're getting louder by the day. We live in a time right now where the voices are louder than ever before. Many times the voices will be shouting for your attention, trying to take your attention off of Jesus. Many times the voices of culture and media and education will try to shout things that are are, are against what you've been taught and preached in the Word of God. And there's always gonna be voices, but my question is whose voice will prevail in your life? Right. Scripture says, their voices. Prevailed. Pilate's pride prevailed. Pilate's fear prevailed. Pilate's hunger for power prevailed. Luke 23, 24. So Pilate sentenced Jesus to die as they demanded. As they had requested, he released Barabbas, the men in prison for insurrection and murder. But they turned Jesus over to them to do whatever they wanted. What if Pilate made a different choice? He could have heard the voice of Jesus. Pilate stood eye to eye with the Savior of the world five separate times. He postponed his decision, trying to gratify the mob with policies and lashings, yet each time they sent Jesus back to him again. How many times does Jesus come back into your presence over and over again, giving you another chance, and he looks you eye to eye? Imagine what that would have felt like with Pilate when he was standing there, and they brought him back again, they brought him back again, and Jesus would just stand there, and Pilate would have to stare at him in his eyes, and no doubt, at times, he probably felt uncomfortable and walked over here, and he's like, you know what they're trying to say about you? Defend yourself, and, and he just was wanting to, 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 to do something for Jesus do something that would ease his conscience, but he'd come back in, and he'd have to look Jesus in the eye. Imagine. Imagine yourself being Pilate, having to look eye to eye with the Savior of the world, knowing that you could go ahead and say, "You're the Son of God. I want what you have," or just saying, "Fine." Their voices. There's something about him that oh, I, I feel something there, but there's so many voices. And I feel like I'm outnumbered. And the voices are so loud and they're so powerful and they're, they're growing. Boy, does this sound familiar. The day and age in which we live, where the voices against the word and the voices against your convictions and what you stand for, they're getting louder and louder and louder. That sometimes you feel like, I don't know, can I keep standing? There's so many and I'm outnumbered and they're so loud. Whose voice will prevail in your life? they kept sending him back and he had to keep looking at Jesus in the eye. Three times Pilate stood eye to eye with Jesus compelling him to reveal truth. Pilate could have also heard the voice of his wife. I thought I I I was going to get some female amens on that one. Matthew 27, as the crowds gathered before Pilate's house that morning, he asked them, which one do you want me to release to you, Barabbas or Jesus, who's called Messiah? Leave it right there, because guess what? The voices aren't just in the world. Sometimes the voices come to where you live. They try to make their way into your home. He knew very well the religious leaders had arrested Jesus out of envy. Just then, as Pilate was sitting on the judgment seat, his wife sent him this message and said, Leave that innocent man alone. I suffered through a terrible nightmare about him last night. And what does it say? Pilate listened to her. He said, babe, tell me about it. What's going on? I'm concerned. Well, if you said this, let's talk about it. Nope. Verse 20. Meanwhile, the leading priests and elders persuaded the crowd to ask for Barabbas. So the governor asked again, which of these do you want? The crowd shouted back, Barabbas. Pilate responded, well, what should I do? And they said, crucify him. He said, all right, let's do it. He didn't even listen, didn't take into one word that his wife said into consideration. I've done that a time or two. It doesn't usually turn out well. Dave Ramsey says, when your wife has a feeling, you better listen to that feeling. Yeah. I'm not going to stay on this long because I'll, I'll be reminded about this message later. But <laughs> His wife seemingly begged him not to do ill to Jesus. Yeah, I understand. Well, this is a, this is a mute point. I mean, God, he was going to already robe himself in flesh and pay the price in Calvary and all. Yeah, but God still reaches out to people. He doesn't just say you're a part of my plan and we don't believe that people are just, oh yeah, you know, you, he chooses you go to heaven, you go to hell, it's all predestination. No. Pharaoh had a chance to repent. Pilate, God literally starts sending visions to his wife. If you're gonna play a part in this story, you're going to have to reject grace. And even today, yeah, it just doesn't seem fair. You know, God talks about heaven and hell, and he talks about burning things up and punishment. That doesn't sound like the God. You ever talk to a friend? That doesn't sound like God. That doesn't sound fair. Well, really, he, he lays out a whole plan. Here's what my plan is. Here's what happens if you follow it. Here's what happens if you don't. Here's exactly what I want you to do to be saved. And then here's how to stay saved and, and keep walking on this path. And so if we're going to be punished or step outside of, of his plan, we, we are going to have to reject grace. Here, God sends a dream to Pilate's wife, and she says, babe, God's speaking to me. I'm telling you, it's powerful. Don't mess with this guy. Don't do this. And he does not not listen because other voices were louder. Other voices were outnumbering. He could have listened to the voice of Jesus. He could have listened to the voice of his wife. He could have listened to the voice of the Old Testament, but he didn't. Scripture tells us the other voices prevailed about your life what voices are prevailing in your life right now is it the voice that says one time won't hurt just one time it's not going to be a big deal but guess what I've never met anybody in my entire life and I've counseled and talked with a lot of people through my years and I've never met one person who said you know what I'm going to wake up this morning, and I am going to just start stealing from my family, throw my life away, lose my career, destroy my health, eventually live under a bridge because I won't have money. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to just start to destroy everything about me, lose everything that I own, and get to the point where I feel like I can't function as a human being without a substance in my body. I think I'm going to do that. I'm going to start today. starts with one party one time one website one time just seeing what it is one shot one cigarette one puff one one night stand it just starts with one and eventually we open a door to something where we feed the flesh but the voice starts with it's just one time I mean it's not that big of a deal Hath God said, do you really believe that church leadership isn't for you? They don't care about you. You don't belong there. You'll never measure up. You can take care of that later. Don't stress it today. What voices are prevailing in your life right now? The rhetoric and the rationale of the enemy, it never ends. It's the exact same as it was in the garden with Adam and Eve when the serpent says, hath God said, and we focus on that, when Eve could have been like, and Adam could have said, wow, I can eat from anywhere. God spoke. He wants to walk with me. I literally just, I literally just walked face to face with the creator of my world. We just got done with this incredible conversation. He gave me this beautiful garden and, and he takes care of everything. And, and look at all these trees that I can eat from. But instead, humanity says, Well, what about that one? What's going on there? And the serpent says, hath God said, Is it really a big deal? Does God word does it really matter? Do you think there are really consequences? consequences to not following his word he's just trying to restrict you he's just trying to take things from you when you could have it all and so humanity we start to go yeah I mean what's the deal with that and and, but that's not fair God God he 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 tempts them to sin and he puts that there no he does not I said this yesterday without voices there aren't choices You don't have a choice if there's not a cho- I, I have to choose between this and this. That's not God. Oh, God set them up to sin. No, because in order, if they really love him and serve him, without voices, prevailing voices saying, hey, over here, do this, there's not choices without voices. And so in your life, there's always going to be other voices that are trying to get your attention and are trying to pull you over here and say, that's not a big deal. I don't think that matters. Does it really matter? What about one time? I, I think I can I can skip church. It's not a big deal. I don't need to serve in ministry. I don't need to give. I don't need to respond. I don't need to get baptized. We could do it later. And these voices are constantly speaking to us. Oh, that's not really a big deal. I don't think that's necessary. Is that a heaven or hell issue? And we can, we can justify ourselves all day long until we just take another little step back and another little step back and you know what backsliding begins when you stop moving forward you think you could just sit in one spot and just well I'm fine I ain't backsliding but the, the but the people are, if you stop your pursuit in a hunger for God eventually God's moving and he's got a plan and if you're just sitting here back here you're going to backslide right. So there has to be something in us that says, God, I long for you, I desire you, I want to crave you, I want to walk with you, I want to hear your voice. I, wanna, I don't want to make provision for the flesh. But notice, God never enters a shouting match with Satan. We don't see that. You know, like with us, somebody steps up to you, says says, mess with you, be like, boy, you better, buy, I, I, come on, bring it. You know, like we're going to get in a fight, right? God just walks around, and the devil's just, you know, he, 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 he comes up to him in the wilderness, and he's like, hey, turn that to sourdough bread. It can taste like Panera. He's like, as it is written, blah, 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 walks away. He's like, you know what? I could tell, look at all this. And everything that Satan tempted Jesus with is the same things he tends up to, with. All that's in the world is the lust of the flesh, lust of the eyes, and the pride of life. So the devil's going to come at you with the eyes, pride, and the, and the lust of the flesh, and so he says, look at that. You can become that. Oh, let's look up, go to the pinnacle. Check this out. You drop yourself down, angel. Oh, I'm telling you what. You just do this. Just bow down and worship me. And Jesus, every time, he says, as, as it is written, boom. As it is written, boom. We don't see him converse with the devil. He don't stick around. He don't have conversations. He don't raise his voice. He's just like authorities in the word. I am the word. And the word is in me. Here's the word. One statement, I'm done. You're a loser. I'm out of here. That's it. And so today when you say, oh, God, the devil's just been attacking me. Oh, I'm telling you, I can't stand the devil's been. Who are you and who's the devil? You know, what? as it is written, one statement, get lost. As it is written, one statement, get out of here. Do you know what I have? I have the spirit of the God who already defeated you. get out of my home get out of my life you're not welcome here but that doesn't that doesn't mean that the prevailing voices don't stand outside your home like they did for Pallet they want in your home they want in your life your marriage your ministry You're not worth anything. You're not all all you're ever going to be. Look how many times you failed. Oh, if anybody knew your story, you don't belong there. Oh, you're never going to be perfect. You're never going to look like them, worship like them. Oh, oh, I'm just going to go in. What if I go in the school and I try and start a P7 club? Oh, I, I better not do that. What if everybody laughs at me? What if I go in my workplace and I try to tell somebody about God and they sue me and I lose my job? And what if, oh, almost, I just, why are we always looking at the other side of what if? What about the what if that says, what if you go and get a sponsor and start a P7 club in your school, and 47 kids start coming, and you come and say, Pastor, we had a prayer meeting, God started moving, and I laid hands, and 13 kids received the gift of the Holy Spirit. I mean, what if? <laughs> I mean, can, can that stuff happen in a school? Can that stuff happen in a school? Okay, I want you guys with faith to verbalize it out loud. Can that stuff happen in a school? That's weak. That's weak. Can that stuff happen in a school? Yes. That's better. Can that stuff happen in a school? Yes. Should I let them off? That's weak. They don't believe that you believe it. Can that stuff happen in a school? Yes. But we want to look at the what ifs, and, but we always go to the, the what if, to the scary what if, to the it's not gonna work what if, to the oh, I'm gonna fall on my face and get embarrassed and nobody's gonna like me and everybody's gonna make fun of me and I'm gonna lose my job and lose my career and my life. And, and no, what if? God is calling you for this exact moment in history and he's trying to reach a school, a community, a workplace. He's trying to shift the culture of an entire community that you're involved with. What if? You see when God he he shows up and he speaks and then he waits. God speaks and then he steps back. That's why. Well, Pilate, why is he not talking to Pilate? Pilate's like, Do you understand? And God's just standing there. Jesus, he's standing there. Why? Because he already spoke. He sent him John. He sent the leadership, John the Baptist. But then he also, he's like, I got the Old Testament. You know who I am. It's time to respond. God, I wish you'd speak to me. If God's not speaking to you, ask yourself something Did I obey the last thing he said to me? Before I ask for a fresh word, did I obey the last one? Because if he told you to do something and you're like, eh, I just no, no, know someday, it's not, I'm not sure, then he doesn't need to speak again if he's still waiting on the response from the last time he spoke. And that's why when we want to walk in this mighty level of faith, It does not go from all of a sudden, like, I just walked into church, and now I'm walking, I'm going to go to the graveyards and start raising the dead from the the ground. It actually just starts maybe with, I walked into church, and honestly, something small, like, can I make it to the next service? Can I give God a 10% tithe? Well, that's biblical, by the way. Well, I'm kind of my own provider. Well, God might just sit there and say, well, I'm going to wait. I'm going to wait. Because if you can't trust me with small things, I can't trust you with big things. Uh, And so faith is this journey. It's this, oh, I stepped out once and I stepped out twice. And, oh, that's why for me we had a campaign. And we stretched. We were nervous all, all get out. Oh. Oh, Jesus, how are we going to pay this money? And all of a sudden, we paid our pledge, and God richly blessed us that if another campaign rolls around, I go, I ain't stressed because I look back. Faith looks backwards sometimes. It's not always looking forward. People think faith looks forward. Faith a lot of times looks backward going, oh, no, you know what faith is? It's, I can tell you the story he brought, he brought me through there. He delivered me from that. He healed me. He, he, he provided. He set me free. He did this. And so, yeah, I'm going to move forward. Why? Because I got a whole bunch of stories where my faith was built, a whole bunch of altars and memorials that still stand that say, you know what? Oh, I made it through there. He took me through there. Oh, that one was hard. That was a difficult one. But he gave me the strength that I needed. So guess what? Bring on whatever lies ahead because... He, he made a way. He brought me through. And so that's, that's what faith is. And so I want to be that person that walks in that level of faith. And God, he will speak things to us. And then he will wait. And he will allow you to respond. Because where was Jesus in the garden? Where was God? He didn't come. I mean, he, he said it there. And he wasn't there to help them. No, he already told them what to do. He already warned them about that tree. He already told them what would happen if they ate of that tree. So there wasn't a, he steps back and says, You have choices, but there will be voices. And today, you have choices, there's always going to be voices. What will you do? There's always going to be a beautiful tree in the garden that's calling your name. It sometimes looks like a tree. But it sometimes looks like a car, a career, a woman, a man, a drug, a substance. It looks like a lot of different things. What voice will prevail in our lives? He leaves you to decide what voice will prevail. There will always be voices shouting things. And in Matthew 27, 24, Pilate saw he wasn't getting anywhere, that a riot was developing. And so he sent for a bowl of water. Almost. What if? But he grabs a bowl of water and he says, all right, I can't take this. Crowd's growing. They're getting loud. The riots are starting. And, oh, okay, but I don't want to deal with this. I'm sick of staring this guy in the face because it's getting awkward here. Jesus is waiting for me to respond. And I don't want to respond because I'm not ready to respond because the other voices are so loud. So I'm going to wash my. It's not on me. It's on you and your family. Fine, let it be on us and our family. And I'm not going to listen to the voice of Jesus. I'm not going to listen to the voice of my wife, the voice of the Old Testament. Go ahead. I'm going to give them to you. You do whatever you want. Because at the end of the day, I don't have enough backbone to stand up against the voices of my day. And God's looking for a church in the 21st century that's got enough backbone to stand up. And say, you know what, yeah, I love, yes, I have compassion, but you're not going to push me into a corner to do things that I don't stand for. I don't care what Fox News and CNN and politics and and all these people are saying. I don't care what what the world's shouting. I don't care what they're teaching in universities, what they're saying that could be against the Word of God. And I'm all for education. Don't take that and run with that. But I'm not going to be the one that I'm going to say, you know what? Respectfully, sir, ma'am, this is what I believe. As for me and my house, we're serving God. I know it might not be the popular thing in culture. I know a lot of people might be saying, oh, that's a thing in the past, or you still believe that, or you think that's necessary ha, did you hear? She still believes that this in in the Bible. Do you know she still dresses that way? She still believes that. They believe this thing about water and baptism. They believe about the spirit. They still believe. You think that's necessary to live that way? Ha, and the voices can sometimes grow and grow and get louder, and you're outnumbered, especially when you walk into a campus or a school, but you got to have something in you that's strong, that's got a backbone that says, listen, I, I love you, and I appreciate your opinion, but that does not change me, because I know who I am. I'm a child of God. I've been bought by the blood. I've been filled with His Spirit. There are certain, certain things that they're not negotiable. They'll never change. Imagine if Pilate would have looked at Jesus and said, Jesus, I don't know all the ins and outs of where this road's going to take me. I know this. It's probably going to cost me my job. It's going to cost me popularity. I'm not going to get reelected. Matter of fact, I'm going to go through that crowd and they might kill me. They might kill you on the way out. But I'm telling you what, if you're going to shed your blood, it's not going to be because I washed my hands of it. It's going to be because they took both of us down because I've heard too many stories about you. Jesus. You've been in my presence and I've been in yours too long. I've been looking you in the eye and there's something about you that makes me want to follow you. So if I need to, I'll give up my career. I'll give up being Pilate, the the, the leader of this Roman ruler, this Roman ruler that I've been called to be and I'm following you out of this place. I'm going to walk with you wherever you go. I'm going to follow you wherever you go. Imagine if Pilate could have become one of Jesus' followers going and making disciples but he wasn't because he wasn't Strong enough to stand against the prevailing voices. And I look so much at our youth group because you guys, I I know you're going to deal with prevailing voices on your work and with family and neighbors and things, but you guys are dealing with it on a totally different level with the things that are being taught and accepted and pushed in colleges and universities and high schools and and middle schools. And so there's got to be a a generation that's going to be the light for the next generation. You are the hope for the next generation and God. God is looking for some young people that will say, I know the voices are loud. I know that I'm outnumbered. But I am a child of God. And greater is he that lives in me than he that lives in this world. And so I know who I am. You can try to ignore his piercing glance into your soul waiting for you to respond today, church. Even online, you can do like Pilate and try to say, I'm going to wash my hands of this. I'm going to just go to another church because that one I felt a little too much conviction. I I felt like I almost needed to respond. And and I'm looking for more of a social club where we can just get together, enjoy good music, and just have a fun time. There's churches out there like that. We're not one of them. We're going to Preach the Bible, and the Bible says it's there for us. At times it's gonna rebuke us and correct us and call us to respond. And so sometimes we're gonna preach messages that say that's sin, and, and, and we need to find a place where we come to an altar and we bury our face and say, God, forgive me. I have been living for in the lust of the flesh and the lust of the eyes and the pride of life. And I got caught up in all these things. God, I want to be clean, I want to be washed in the blood. I wanna I wanna get, jump into these waters and take on the name of Jesus. I want my sins to be washed away. I want to make a fresh commitment, God. I want to start a P7 club. I want to go into my work and say, hey, I'm going to be starting a discussion here at my lunch break on Tuesdays at noon. And I would love for you to come and join me. We're just going to look at the word. Oh, yeah, but what if they they look at me? What if they laugh at me? What if I lose my job? What if you don't? What if something that you start at the workplace results in hundreds of people finding Jesus Christ and turning their lives around? and marriages being restored and people being set free what if you have the answer to souls at your workplace <laughs> oh as I wrap this up today you can stand there like Pilate and say well yeah I, I, I'm going to keep trying I, I, I was before him five times trying to push this off but someday i I mean I might do that someday I, I. when the Bible speaks clear you don't have to pray about something do you know that If the Bible says, repent and be baptized, every one of you, in the name of Jesus Christ, you don't have to say, I'm going to pray, Lord. Let me pray about it, whether or not I should repent. Why? He already said in his word to repent. So there's no need for me to say, well, Lord, do you want me to follow your word? Yes. Yes, I do. If I tell my kids, don't go in the street, they don't have to say, dad, do you not want me to go in the street? (laughs) Well, I just said that. That's calling some people. You can try to ignore him, but you can't. Right now, you're in the presence of Jesus Christ. You're staring eye to eye with the Savior of the world. He's in your presence, you're in His, and He's awaiting your response. Whose voice will prevail? For some, He's calling someone, it's time to repent. For others, he's calling somebody, it's time to set that substance down. I'm setting you free right now. For others, it's that water's clean and warm. Let me wash away your sins. For others, he's saying, I want you to start a P7 club. For others, he's saying this week, I want you to talk to your boss about setting up a Bible study in your office or at the lunchroom. It's time for some people to start living radically. Oh, but there's a cost. Yep. Pilate, if he would have walked, he might have died. He'd have certainly not probably been reelected, reappointed. But imagine if you would have said, Jesus, I don't care what anybody's saying out there right now. I'm going to close the door because if I'm going to be in your presence, I'm going to worship you because I recognize something about who you are. You see, in 1944, there were two speeches ready. The invasion went as planned or the invasion failed. In 1969, there were two speeches ready. We landed on the moon. We won the race to the moon. The United States was the first on the moon. And what a great day. Let's celebrate. Where there was a disaster and tragically we lost lives in space today. In 2021, there are two ways this story God reached out in grace to a human soul. He forgave their sins when they humbled themselves. He washed those sins away. He put his spirit inside of them to walk in his way. He had a divine plan that he began to orchestrate from that day in October of 2021. Or Jesus Christ spoke to some people on a live stream in a building and they sat there and they listened and Almost, almost that pastor persuaded them to be a Christian. Almost, almost, but. The other voices were so loud. Already you start talking about baptism and our voices are going, yeah, but I don't know. I'm not sure. Well, maybe next week. I don't know if I'm ready. Well, you know, ministry, I'm kind of good where I'm at. I'm not really ready to be involved. I don't, I'm not sure. There's been a lot that's happened in my past. And and all these voices instantly, you don't even leave the building, they're already talking. Almost. Almost they did what God was calling them to do that day, but the voices were so loud and there were so many. It was so strong. I just couldn't. In one day, years from now, we're going to talk about the what ifs. Has anyone here served at any point in your life in children's or student ministries? Raise your hand. Keep your hand up. How many of you remember serving someone or ministering to someone who is loving and serving Jesus Christ right now as an adult? How many of you remember loving or serving someone who they completely walked away from everything in their life is in shambles? I was a youth worker for probably 10 years, and I can tell you stories. People who were mightily used of God. We're called by God. I mean, their anointing, was it was palpable. And they ended up sleeping with someone, getting pregnant, walking away from God, feeling like they can't come back from embarrassment, shame, getting into drugs, start going to prison. I can tell you stories of people where I look and I go, what if? Oh, almost, they were almost, oh, what they could have been for God. And I'm here to tell you if you're here and you say, yeah, but I did that stuff. And I messed up my anointing too. You're you're never so far gone that God can't say, all right, come on back. Watch what I can do. Watch the beauty of restoration. Come on. Come on. Just come on back. Yeah, but I'm still struggling with some substances right now. I'm still, I'm still, I'm, I'm in a relationship right now. God's going, hey, yeah, but I'm speaking to you. And if you'll just come, if you just let that stuff go, just come on, just come find an author. Watch what I can do with your life. And then we can look back and we can say, oh, I almost walked out without responding. But I thank God, I thank God that I was watching online. And I knelt next to my bed and I began to cry out the name of Jesus. I thank God that, that October Day in 2021, before the pastor was even done preaching, I got myself to that altar and I began to cry out to Jesus. And I began to say, God, what do you want to do with my life? God, it doesn't matter what I'm doing or what I did. I'm ready to release it to you. I'm ready. Whatever cost is involved, my God, my life is yours. I, I want to look back and not say, I almost did it. What if I would have done it? I'm going to look back and say, what if I didn't? Look what God's doing now. Look at the life Lives that God's reaching. Look at the children that I've had that God, that are serving God as a result of me responding. And so I invite you right now to begin to find a place to pray, to respond to Jesus, whatever he's saying to you. He's looking you in the eye. He's spoken. And now he sits back silently and waits and says, who's going to respond? Who's going to step into what I'm calling them to be? Who's going to repent of their sins? Who's going to be washed in the waters of baptism? Who's going to step out and start the P7 club? Who's going to start a Bible study at their at their office this week? Who's going to begin to reach to friends? Who's going to begin to serve and That they've not yet served. Oh, the voices, the voices already—they're trying to speak. You're nothing. Oh, you're offended. Oh, that person did that. Oh, you're not worth anything. Oh, yeah. No, 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 no. Shush. God has spoken. I'm going to listen to the one voice that matters. The other voices will not prevail. They can come stand outside my house, but they will never make it in my home. They will not make it in my heart. They will not make it in my church because I'm a child of God. I've been called for such a time as this. Oh, in Jesus' name, in Jesus' name.